Hey family, welcome back to Jesus Time. I'm your host, Gisela Lou, and today we're going to talk about what Jesus tells us in our times with him, but also we're going to talk about a very important, previously overlooked, now possibly beaten to death horse, but still worthy of, of conversation, of of looking at this topic through the Jesus lens uh, because, man, there's so much out there. And the topic is mental health. As we talked about last week, we're going to do a series. I don't know how many parts yet. We'll just see how how things go and how many people um, uh, want to come and talk about it um, in terms of their struggles and experiences. But today, to jumpstart our awesome series, we have with us a very special guest, and I'm so excited. So, uh, this is the one and only Chris Lee. And if you don't know him and if you've never heard him speak, I'm very, very sorry for you because you were, you were really, really missing out. So, so he loves Jesus so much and he has a burning desire to have other people know Jesus. And he's also a mental health counselor. So we're going to get to hear a lot of good things from the heart of a Jesus-loving therapist. And I don't know if it gets much better than that to kick (laughs) off this series. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, so just to get started, could you tell us a little bit about your job, your Mm -hmm. day job, kind of what you do and the training you've received to do that job? Yeah, so I work as a child's therapist Mm -hmm. uh, here in Jacksonville locally. Mm -hmm. I do that about two days a week because I have another job that I work on and maybe that'll come up as well. But I love working with these kiddos. Mm -hmm. Um, The part of town I work in is a little bit of a lower economic area. So Mm -hmm. usually I'm having kids that are coming from a little bit rougher backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But specifically what I'm doing is just talk therapy with them. I'm just sitting down with them, having Mm -hmm. conversations with them. And then... um, what I've found is just a lot of the times mm-hmm. the things that I think are going to be most beneficial for a kid or that might work really well for an adult just might not resonate with the kids. Mm. And as I have like seen kids graduate or, or leave or have, you know, just continued on in their progress, I've learned over the years that just like being a consistent adult in their life has been some of the most impactful things for them. And so nothing that I consciously was doing was really mm. making a difference, but just like actively subconsciously just being there passively was really helpful wow so, so the power of presence yeah mm-hmm. wow <laughs> yeah which i know that's you know god working not necessarily me mm. doing anything which is really cool okay so you brought yeah. up the god working aspect of it mm-hmm. so talk to us a little bit now about how uh what your relationship with jesus looks like yeah and how that informs your work as a therapist yeah so I have loved Jesus since 2006. Uh, I don't remember how long that's been, but it's been a long time okay. for me. Uh, mm. I just love um, the heart that he has for his people. I think mm-hmm. that um, I there's all these conversations about like grace versus truth and yeah. how to hold those two things. And mm. I know that a flaw and a strength of mine is that I hold to the grace more than the truth a lot of the time. And and so I know that both are so important and, and we have to hold both of them, but I lean on grace a lot and mm. uh, I just love to see those aspects of, of him and, and his character and just mm. how much he takes care of people. I think, mm. you know, leaving the 99 is such mm. a great example of like, you know, he, he would go to those that are hurting or lost. And so very impactful to me. Um, and then uh, there was another question. How, how does that in your, uh, right. <laughs> inform 
your your day job, your therapy? Yeah. So the company I work for is actually a secular company. Right. And I got a secular degree. I'm a, a mental health counselor from a, a you know public university okay. here in Florida. Um, so I, I got a lot of training from a lot of different people that are certainly not Christians or, mm. you know, some, some that definitely are, but, um, what I have kind of landed on what, uh, my wife and I have been talking about a lot lately who, uh, if you, you know, my wife is a great person as well. You should oh. probably have her on at some point to talk about I this I would stuff. love that. Okay. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Amazing. Um, she's given me all these answers. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Perfect. But you no, know, so so her and I were uh, on the road and talking mm -hmm. about um, the parable of the sower, mm -hmm. and the way that we were processing through it was like mm -hmm. so much of the time I have always heard that verse, those set of verses as like, go share the gospel, make sure you're sharing the gospel, reach the nations with the seeds, make sure you're planting all these seeds because there's going to be so much soil that is not good soil, mm -hmm. and so you know eventually you'll hit good soil. You just have to mm -hmm. keep planting, just keep sowing the seeds. And what helps me to kind of process through it was that somebody also has to be responsible for preparing the soil. Ooh. Somebody has to be responsible for getting the rocks out, pulling the weeds out, or, you know, making sure that, you know, it talks about like some of it just like falls along the path. Mm. That's just the seeds going to the wrong place. And so we just got to like kind of move it around or, or change some things. And so that's kind of how I've envisioned my, my role, especially with these kids that I'm working with. You know, some of them have had really rough situations. Sure. Either you know, things as simple, simple but terrible as like divorced parents. Mm. Some have been abused in a lot of like really rough mm. physical, sexual, emotional ways. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes as I'm interacting with them, I, I think about the gospel a lot. I think about how much Jesus loves mm. these kids. And then I think like if I just sat here and said like, well, hey, Jesus loves you. And I shared the gospel with them in a very practical sense. Mm -hmm. I just think their soil's not ready for that seed yet. Wow. And so my job is to prepare them for that soil. And maybe I get to give them that seed or maybe I don't. But that's how I have envisioned the way that I get to, in this secular position, in the secular company, um, you know, do my ministry. Wow. That is outstanding. I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> My mind is blown and I almost need a minute to collect myself because I've heard a lot of uh, believers, mm. people who love Jesus, talk about uh, counseling and therapy with, um, with skepticism. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the topic came up recently. I was in a leadership meeting. Mm -hmm. Again, people who love Jesus, live for Jesus. Yeah. We we're talking about counseling and therapy. And the consensus was there is no value to therapy unless the counselor or therapist is a Christian. Mm. However, based on what you've shared and the role of a therapist mm -hmm. and how you and how your relationship with Christ informs your quote unquote secular job, mm -hmm. there may be a value yeah. <laughs> to secular therapy if yeah. we look at it as a job that prepares soil for the gospel. Yeah. So would you, can you speak to secular therapy, but also maybe a secular therapist? Mm. Because I think a lot of believers genuinely who love Jesus are nervous about that, yeah. unsure about that. Mm -hmm. What is your opinion on a secular therapist? Yeah. So I think... 
there are very wise secular therapists mm. out there. I think a lot of the professionals that have written the books and put together the theories are mostly going to be secular people mm. and mostly are not going to, or if they are not secular, if they are, if they are believers, mm. if they're the people that wrote the theory, their heart is going to be more in the theory and less in, in the gospel. Not that they are not Christians because of that or anything, but just that they, mm. you know, they're academics. They're focusing on their academics. And so okay. they might, in a you know secular world, they might get criticism if they bring in their faith into the way that they write their theory. Okay. So uh, I would say most of therapy, unless you're specifically a Christian therapist, mm-hmm. is going to be secular therapy. Mm. But I think a lot of that is stuff that, you know we're designed by God and whether secular mm. people understand it or not, they're still pulling from things that Jesus did or things that, <gasps> oh. you know, the Bible talks about, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is like the most important, not most important, but it's like the biggest therapy right now. It's the one that mm. all the insurance companies love and all the schools make sure that they oh. teach about because it's such an effective form of therapy mm. where it really focuses about focuses on taking your thoughts and your behaviors and, and kind of holding those two things together and analyzing the two against each other mm. and all of that. And then kind of moving forward, understanding those different thoughts. And if you think about it from a biblical perspective, that's just taking captive your thoughts, right? Ooh. And so it's, these are things that secular people are saying like, Hey, this is the thing that works really well. Wow. Of course it works well. It's in, it's in the Bible. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is all these therapists, secular therapists, mm. So, and I, I'm defining a secular therapist as mm. not one who is in a secular practice, but one mm. who maybe doesn't have a relationship yeah. with Jesus, mm. but still has a heart to help people and is applying all these theories. So someone like that who is taking advantage of these techniques that work, mm-hmm. if they work, mm. it's because... God invented the processes and the systems and these techniques and tips. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know who the actual author is. So that is actually very helpful in moving forward. Hopefully that gives listeners more freedom to feel like, okay, I don't have to fear Mm -hmm. this person who doesn't know Jesus coming into my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any caution you would put out there mm-hmm. for anyone seeking therapy mm-hmm. um, in terms of, okay, I've gone to this therapist and this doesn't feel right or I'm not sure about this. What are the red flags? Yeah. So I think before I jump into that, I just want to make sure that I mention about oh, yeah. you know a secular therapist that they still can be wise. They still can mm-hmm. share good things mm-hmm. with, with us as, as Christians you know, yeah. uh, in, in therapy, as, as you're going through your training, they talk about ethics a lot of the time. And oh. one ethical concept is multiple relationships. Oh, yeah. So that's just to say that I, as a therapist, can't do therapy on my family, my friends. Because sure. there's an extra relationship there. Mm. It's, I, I know a different side of it. And I think to that point, specifically, that's there's a benefit to not doing that. Gotcha. Because there's somebody, as your therapist... From the outside looking in, that's mm. kind of the benefit, the most beneficial relationship is mm. I I can understand who all these people are, but I don't necessarily know them personally. So you're objective. Exactly. Okay. And so I think to a certain extent, having a secular therapist in that type of situation can be extremely beneficial. Uh, it's because they, you know, 
maybe sometimes we as Christians can have blind spots about the way that the church might not be operating perfectly. And we just think like, no, it's, this is my church. I love them. I trust them. They can do things perfectly. And a secular therapist might have that like outside widened view. And of course they're probably coming in with maybe a little bit more skepticism than they need to, but might see that thing that, that we might be, have a blind spot to. So that's like the the first thing. Yeah, and that's very important to mention. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is don't be dismissive yeah. of a secular therapist. Absolutely. Okay. Because wisdom can come from secular Absolutely. therapists. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, but certainly there are red flags sure. in, in therapy. In all, in all therapy situations, there are definitely bad therapists. Right. It's tough because there's like multiple levels mm-hmm. of red flags. There's mm-hmm. red flags in like, you know really really red flags of if somebody is making you feel uncomfortable because you know they're pushing a an agenda or a feeling or something um that that can be tough i know that there are therapists that do really bad things and and you know will you know uh abuse their clients in a lot Mm. of different ways and so that's you know obviously super red flag but then there's also other red flags of just like if you feel uncomfortable if it's a good therapist Mm they will, you can communicate that to them. You can tell them like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with this question, this question, this question, or how you're asking this question. And a good therapist will hear that and respond in a healthy and kind way. Mm. And they'll either challenge you in a loving way, okay. or they'll kind of pull back or maybe reevaluate their strategy. Mm. But maybe a not great therapist, maybe a red flag therapist will be very aggressive, be pretty, mm. pretty intense, pretty, um, yeah, pretty angry. And so if at any point you get to a feeling of like, I don't know that I should see this therapist anymore, the best of the best therapists are going to say, Hey, I totally understand that. Let me help you find another one. Or let's, mm. let's go like, here are some people that I trust a lot. Some not great therapists are going to say like, why, why would you leave? And really question those decisions. So wow. those are maybe some red flags I'd think of excellent that's so helpful and that can be someone who knows jesus and someone Mm, who doesn't absolutely because (laughs) i think sometimes we can as as believers feel like well if you're my therapist and you know jesus then who am i to question you but i love the empowering statement of if you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. let's it's okay talk about that mention that engage that response yeah that is so, so helpful, Chris. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. So, um, all right. So I wanted to get into some of the questions with uh, personal application. So uh, a lot of people, myself included, have struggled with mental health issues <laughs> as, a, as believers. And yeah. that can be hard. And I think right before we started the recording, we were clarifying yeah. this one question. <laughs> and so I'll share, uh, just for sake of clarity... An example, and then I'll ask the question. So I struggled with anxiety. I was diagnosed in 2012 with generalized anxiety disorder. I did therapy, medication, super helpful. Um, But prior to that, while I was still struggling and didn't know I was struggling, didn't know what to do, I had a friend of mine who never struggled with anxiety. In fact, the one day she did 20 years ago, she read the verse in the Bible that said, uh, do not worry about tomorrow. Today has a, enough trouble of its own. And that was it. Mm-hmm. She never struggled with anxiety again. And I was like, okay. So I am thinking that's kind of how it's supposed to work. So before I knew things, 
I was reading the Bible every day, twice a day. I was praying. I may have been fasting. I was, um, I was memorizing, holding on to promises. I was doing everything I thought I needed to do to renew my mind so that I wouldn't be anxious, right? Be anxious for nothing. And, <laughs> and I was still having panic attacks and I was still struggling. So can you speak to that and, and help us as listeners? Mm-hmm. How do we discern when it is a, oh, just apply this verse and re- renew your mind mm-hmm. versus, hey, this is really the point we need to be seeking some mental health help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a fantastic question. And as I've been thinking about it uh, a little bit more, just, just in sitting here, I think, um, you know, I absolutely know people that are in that situation mm-hmm. where they're, you know, I've heard it in sin where it's like mm-hmm. they recognize that they are in sin and then they decide that they will not do that sin ever again. And then they never do that sin wow. ever again. Amazing. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> but I know that there are certain oh, people that can do that. Right. Um, I think, you know, mental health can, can definitely have those mm. different things. A couple thoughts that I've had are, I think some of the struggle there is, you know, comparison, especially Ooh. putting one person against another and, mm-hmm. and both of us just saying like, yeah, we have these examples of people that can just stop being anxious or stop sitting. Sure. And that's, that's very difficult. You know, I think, mm-hmm. um, there's something about defining your own victory over Ooh. something like mental health is really important. And so okay. understanding that the goalposts for one person mm. are going to be different or in a different location than the goalposts for another person. So you mentioned that the goalposts for one person may not be the same goalposts for another person. And my brain is really excited about that, but I'm also thinking as a Christian, isn't God's perfect standard God's perfect standard? So talk to us about how we can have different goalposts for our mental health while still striving may not be the best word, but without moving God's standard. Mm, yeah. So I think, you know, God's standard we can see a little bit in heaven. We're not going to be dealing with mental health at all mm-hmm. when we get to heaven or when heaven happens or however you want to uh, word that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems like the perfect standard in my mind is, is that's when mental health will be gone. Mm. But while we're here on earth, mental health is still going to be here. Mm. And so we just have to figure out how to wrestle with that or figure out what that looks like in our lives. For some people... Okay. That is just removing it, eliminating it. It'll be gone for them. For other people, it mm. will be using it to share with other people, using it to not share their mm. mental mental health with other people, sure. but share their wisdom from experience through it. You know, passing mm. along what they've learned. Um, I had a really oh the other one that I, that I thought of. So mm. my wife has struggled with anxiety a lot in the past, and so she has definitely passed wisdom to mm. some younger women in the past, but. The other thing that she's done is she's kind of retooled her own mind and realized that, you know, her anxiety comes from a really great strength of being incredibly analytical. She is so good at looking at situations from every Mm -hmm. single angle possible and trying to see all the outcomes and best Mm -hmm. case scenarios, worst case scenarios. She sees the risk involved in all those different things. She's Mm -hmm. so good at seeing all of that. And so... 
that is God's design. God put that in her. Oh. Satan and the world and her flesh and the way that the brokenness of the world mm. came in distorted that beautiful design that God had for, for that wow. and made it into anxiety. But, you know, through, through years of work, therapy and all that, wow. she's been able to slowly start to restore that to God's perfect standard for that. Wow. Okay. So the different goalposts doesn't have anything to do with changing God's standard. Mm-hmm. It has to do with learning how to function mm-hmm. in your God-given design Absolutely. with your weaknesses, submitted to Christ, redeemed for his purpose. Yeah. That's a big for deal. Sure. That's a really big deal. Because everybody in the body of, the, of Christ has different skill sets and different right. goals. And, and so. Right. It's almost like every superhero has a weakness. Absolutely. <laughs> As you sit here yes. in your Superman shirt. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So that leads me to uh, the next question, but same area. Mm-hmm. And you kind of answered it, but we'll, we'll speak a little more to this. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between dismissing your issues because of your label Mm. and taking responsibility for your mental health and doing the work. Yeah. And so uh, what that might look like in the extremes Mm -hmm. is, well, you know what? I'm really ADD and I can't focus. so I'm just not going to do my work. Yeah. Mm, no, <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we kind of know that's an extreme and that's not yeah. okay. Um, the, the opposite extreme might be, you know, I really struggle with ADHD and I have all these tasks in front of me and I have to accomplish them all mm-hmm. in this time or else. Yeah. And so there, there is a sweet spot of personal responsibility mm-hmm. and making allowances for our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that and what a healthy biblical place would be? Yeah. So I think the big thing is that it's going to be unique for every person. Sure. It's going to be really customized mm. based on who you are and, okay. and what your struggles are. Because in a diagnosis, is more than likely because there is something chemical chemically different in your Mm. brain but that's the case with everybody everyone has a chemically different brain because nobody's just a carbon Mm. copy of someone else sure um so my other job i work with people with disabilities and i help them to get jobs and so a lot of times you know your adhd is a great example Mm. i have a bunch of people that come in and say like yeah i have adhd i can't focus on some of my work sometimes Mm. or you know, anxiety or depression. And like, I want to work at this retail store, mm. but I am so anxious about interacting with people. And so there's such a fine line. And what I've learned over the years of working in this field is that everyone is just so different. I can have one mm. person with depression and another sure. person depression, and both of them will come in and have just completely different ways of coping with that or accommodating that or, or, or mm. working through that. And so mm. I think, yeah, the first thing is, is the uniqueness of it. The second thing um, would be, you know, similar to, to working with people with disabilities, there's so many different attitudes about disability specifically. Mm. And so okay. I think parents are sometimes 
some of the harshest critics of their own kids. And I have a bunch of parents of kids that say like, yeah, my kid can't do this. And that's because you're, as a parent, you see your kids at their worst and you probably see them at their best too, but mm. you definitely see them at their worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some of that attitude, some of that mindset is what is just kind of impacting these situations, mm-hmm. right? So if a parent tells you, hey, I, you, you know, my son can't do this, my daughter can't do this, it's really easy for that kid to kind of internalize that and mm-hmm. say like, yeah, cool, I have ADHD, I have autism, I don't have to do that because mom says I can't do that because dad says I can't mm-hmm. do that. And so um, I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's that tension between mm-hmm. the person being lazy in this situation mm-hmm. and not doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. And then just, you know, having weaknesses in place that prevent them from doing it. And I think the other side of that, though, is mm. other people looking on them and saying, you're not doing what you need to be doing. You're lazy. Right? Um, so I think, like, there's, there's, you could be lazy. Or other people could just say that you're lazy. Wow. Or you could be somewhere in between, which <laughs> right. is that sweet spot. That's where we want to be. Um, and I think it's uh, a lot of what, what's talked about at the end of Galatians, where, you know, the difference between carrying your own burden, but not your own load. I never remember which of the words is, which <laughs> sure. is in which one, sure. but you're supposed to carry one and others are supposed to help you carry the other. Oh. And I think that's kind of the mindset that yeah. I have about this is you have responsibility. There are things that you can do. I have plenty mm. of people that I work with, with disabilities that do mm. amazing jobs and work so hard and love the work that they do and have, mm. you know, establish themselves in jobs that they will probably have for most of their lives. Mm-hmm. And then I have people with the same disability that, you know, just won't won't get up and do it. Will just refuse because they've been told they, they can't or because they just feel like they don't want to or mm-hmm. maybe a combination of both. And so they just won't wow. do it. And so that sweet spot in the middle there is all of all of those people have been connected to us. Mm-hmm. We are one of those helping type resources. Mm, And so if we're talking about the verse uh, in Galatians where, you know, you're carrying your own load, but others are helping with the burden, we're supposed to be around there helping them carry their burden. Everybody has that opportunity in this group that we're working with. Not everybody carries their own. That is so good. And I love that picture in my brain because that is, that is something that even as I talk to people in casual conversation, mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned to you earlier, I made a comment about something mental health-ish, mm-hmm. and the, the response was, yeah, but. Yeah. And there is a discomfort mm-hmm. with some people making allowances mm-hmm. or excuses yeah. for people not to take that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is, biblically, we are responsible to carry our own load, mm-hmm. And the body of Christ is responsible to come alongside and help us with our burden. However, no one can say what another person's load is versus their burden. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is where where we as Christians, Mm -hmm. well-meaning Christians, can miss. Is we look at someone and we're telling them to handle their own burden Uh when really they're just supposed to handle their load and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's really helpful. So knowing that and uh, moving from therapy into the body of Christ. So mm-hmm. moving from 
maybe professional mental health help and the resources you've mentioned that you're a part of, which mm -hmm. I think all that is so cool and so wonderful. I love hearing about all those resources. Yeah. So moving from that into the body of Christ mm -hmm. with our brothers and sisters, uh, what does it look like mm -hmm. for a wise and loving brother or sister to communicate to someone who may or may not be carrying their own load. Mm. So how can we do a better job of saying, hey, I noticed you're not doing what maybe you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but not being uh, critical, like maybe having mm. that critical eye, but not that critical spirit. Yeah. Like, how does a brother or sister come alongside someone mm -hmm. who's struggling sure. and not make it worse? Yeah. I'm trying to make sure that what is in my head right now is not <laughs> going to be a problem said out loud. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We can, we can workshop it as sure. we talk. So my, my immediate gut mm -hmm. reaction there is it really, you know, obviously depends on the situation. Always, always. But in mental health, if I am speaking truth or wisdom into someone else's life, mm -hmm. I'm going to want to make sure that it's not something that's affecting me. Mm, so, okay. So if somebody is struggling in a mental health way, I guess it's, this is not always the case, but I think a lot of the time it, it it's something that affects them the most out of anyone else. Gotcha. And so if I am going to be somebody that is lovingly trying to share like, hey, this seems like something you're really struggling with. And I, I really think this is something that you can be working on right now uh -huh. as, as a way of, you know, saying like, hey, let me come alongside you and help you with this. But to point out that there is an issue mm -hmm. there, it really feels like it should should come from a place not of selfishness at all. Mm. So if, if maybe I am annoyed by someone always worrying about something that doesn't feel like a good place to come from to share that like wisdom or love. Gotcha. But if it's just a genuine, if it's just a, you know, an entirely mm. uh, altruistic, like, Hey, I, I really care about you. And it really seems like you are mm. ha having a hard time lately. Can we do this together? I don't know that there's any better way to, to do it mm. than like just coming alongside somebody in love and just saying like you, Seem like you're hurting. How how can we help together? Mm. So even checking in first with your own self. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So look at your eyes. Is mm -hmm. there is yeah. there a log in your own eye? Uh -huh. And the log in this situation would be is is their weakness slash mental health mm. issue slash struggle. Is mm -hmm. that something that's irritating me? And I want to say something because I want to stop being irritated. Yeah. Or am I really broken for them? Mm -hmm. Because that heart motivation is going to most of the time make it come out right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That's great. And that goes to the heart and not just actions. And I think that's really helpful. Absolutely. Okay. Let's go to the other side of that same coin. Mm -hmm. Someone who is struggling with mm -hmm. their mental health. Yeah. And I know someone very, very close to me who's struggling mm -hmm. and his comment is always like, well, it's not that bad. I don't want to burden people. Mm -hmm. And so there is a very, beautiful self-sacrificing attitude yeah. in that, in mm -hmm. that heart. Um, right. so how do you balance that self-care with self-sacrificing mm -hmm. as you struggle? Yeah. Few thoughts would be, mm -hmm. um, 
it's not your job or even your right to say no for someone else. Ooh, say that again. <laughs> it's not your job or your right to say no for someone else. Mm. So in that specific situation, wow. you know, what you're talking about, not wanting to be a burden for somebody, it's not that person's job or right to say no for them. If they say like, hey, I really need help, but I don't want to burden that person, you're saying no for them. You're answering for them. You're deciding you know what's best for them. Wow. I think the other thing is, you know, thinking about like self-sacrifice or, you know, self-help, mm. there's some ways of like, you're not going to be a good version of yourself if you're hurting so mm. you can't self-sacrifice you can't help others you can't be fulfilling the gospel you can't be mm. your the best version of yourself that mm. god had designed for you yeah. if you're hurting or you're mm. you know I, I i've been thinking about you should always be sharing the gospel with yourself first Ooh. right and in that mindset the thought is that you need to get your heart in line before you help somebody else else's heart get in line mm -hmm. but how are you going to share with somebody the truth and the hope and the love of the gospel if you're struggling with hope yourself, if you're struggling to feel loved yourself, you know? Wow. Wow, you can't give what you don't have. Absolutely. Wow. And if your soil, going back to your initial <laughs> analogy, <laughs> yep. if your soil is all jacked up, uh -huh. you need to get those rocks out. Right. And get help doing that. Absolutely. So that you can be more effective mm -hmm. in your, uh, it, more effective in your receiving of what God has for you mm -hmm. first. Yeah. And then you're pouring out of what you have received mm -hmm. into good soil. Absolutely. That is so good. Yeah. That is so good. Ooh, not your, it is not your job or your right to, how'd you say it? Say no for someone else. Yeah. Ooh, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a really big deal. Ugh. All right, I, f I feel like we've gone through a lot of really good things. Yeah. And I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast and then take notes <laughs> because there are so many important life-giving wise things. And I think you really, you married mental health and Jesus really, really well. <laughs> I appreciate I that. I really appreciate that. What a beautiful thing. So uh, last couple of questions mm -hmm. that I think would just be fun. Can you... Talk to us about how the gospel is the foundation for mental health. Mm, I think that is a fantastic question. So I'm going to pull a little bit from a podcast that I like to listen to. Yeah. It's called The Place We Find Ourselves Ooh. by Adam Young. Okay. It's a really great podcast. He's a Christian Sounds and great. a therapist. Does some really great work. Excellent. Um, but the one thing that he has described in the past mm. is healing... Uh, from anything, uh, but specifically from mental health things, is just a beautiful mirror of the gospel, specifically the mirror of the cross and resurrection. Mm. And it's this idea that um, Jesus was alive and then had to die before he could be resurrected. Mm. There was a period of lowness before we could have this amazing spiritual high and I think that's wow. kind of how he equated the two with mental health was like, if you're going to be really going through this, wow. if you're really going to try to figure out therapy or mental health or just like get to the heart of what's going on, yeah. it will take a lot. It'll take a ton of work and you might feel that low mm. before you can experience your own resurrection wow. from these things. So that's how I, I kind of hold those two <laughs> that's things That's incredible. Together. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. That's incredible. That's so beautiful. And you just made me think of one of the names of Christ is the man of sorrows. Mm, yeah. He probably went through depression. For sure. And anxiety and all the, mm-hmm. the hard emotions. Yeah. And we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weakness. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Amen. All right. And so last question. Since our podcast is called Jesus Time, can you tell us what you've been learning in your Jesus Time? Yeah. So I have actually been thinking a lot about this lately. Mm. Um, I've been writing up a bunch of different thoughts about specifically this planting the soil idea that I've just kind of been praying over a lot lately. And... Mm. um, I think of a specific thought that I want to share from what I've been writing up. Um, I think one thing is that the world has a different perception of all of these things mm. than, than we do as Christians. Mm-hmm. And so um, in the in the Bible, the, verse, the verses that specifically talk about planting the soil, the parable of the sower, mm. there's a gap where he explains the story. He tells the parable of the sower. And there's a gap where the disciples are like, why are you talking in parables? <laughs> right. And then he actually explains what's going on. Mm. And when in that gap of where he's saying like, they're like, why are you talking in parables? He says like, listen, these people, these wise men, according mm. to the world, they don't get it. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have mm. eyes, but they don't see. And they just, they just can't get it. They can't comprehend it in some ways. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked about all these different, you know, secular academics and professionals, mm-hmm. and they're so close in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. then they just, like, miss it sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I think that there's so much power in combining both therapy and the gospel in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Okay. Because it's, you know, Jesus is, is my hope. There's so much mm-hmm. amazing hope and truth and love in just understanding what he did for us yeah. and, and how he cares for us. And then, but there are worldly consequences and there are worldly things going on mm. and we kind of have to work through those, those things yeah. of the world, the problems of the world that have mm. kind of burdened our hearts. And wow. so, but doing that with the goal of Jesus in mind yeah. is I think so important and so helpful. Mm. And a lot of times as I'm seeing either the kids in my own therapy mm. or just hearing about different therapy situations, these people are just like, yeah, you know, like... I'm just really excited to make a ton of money or Mm. I'm really excited to do this other thing or I'm really excited to just not feel this way anymore. And Mm. what they miss is just, you know, there's, there's that one extra piece that I feel like if if we could just point them to, that's amazing. So therapy is good, but at best it is incomplete. Yeah. So only with Christ can you find that complete mental health Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm hearing all right oh that is so sweet chris thank you so much for giving of your time and your wisdom and your experience we are so we are so thankful guys i know you're blessed (laughs) i know i was blessed and encouraged and i hope that you can pursue jesus in your jesus time whether you are rejoicing or struggling love you guys so much